Matthew chapter 26, verses 45 to 50. Then Jesus returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. I've called this time this afternoon nine denials and two affirmations. And here we have the first denial. Judas denies everything he has been taught. Judas has been living with Jesus for three years. Judas should have known the one he calls Rabbi. Jesus, the man of prayer. Jesus, the healer of the sick. Jesus, the forgiver of sins. Jesus, the teacher of truth and peace. Jesus, the doer of God's will. But whatever Judas hoped to achieve by his betrayal, it didn't match with the one he once claimed to follow. Judas denied everything he knew. Do we know what Jesus taught and who he is? Do we follow Jesus or do we pursue our own agenda? Matthew 26, verses 50 to 56. The disciples abandoned Jesus. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword and drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophet might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. The second denial. The disciples all abandoned Jesus. The disciples were called to Come, follow me. And they followed 
And then the twelve were chosen to be close to him. Jesus said that he wanted them to be with me where I am. But as soon as the going gets tough, they forget their call and deny being followers by running the other way. Are we those who have heard the call of Jesus to follow him? What might it take for us to abandon that call? Matthew 26, verses 57 to 67. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests of the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat in his face and struck him with their fists. The third denial Jesus before Caiaphas. Charged to, tell us if you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replies, you have said so. Michael Green in his commentary describes the phrase of Jesus as saying, that's your way of putting it. The idea Caiaphas expresses must have come from him at some point possibly his personal opinion, yet he denies it by claiming, you have heard his blasphemy, when Jesus repeats his claim to be the Son of Man and to be intimate with God, his Father. Which claims of Jesus as to his person and work do we find hardest to accept and easiest to deny. Chapter 26, from verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. 
I don't know what you are talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and whipped bitterly. The fourth denial. This is the well-known denial where Peter denies Jesus. Overconfident Peter has sworn that he will never desert Jesus, even to the point of death itself. But Jesus knows Peter better than Peter knows himself and has predicted these denials. Is there an aspect of our characters that makes us vulnerable to denying Jesus when the chips are down? Has it already happened? And is there a bitter feeling in our heart, if not in our eyes? If there is, don't miss Peter's restoration in John 21, because there's restoration for us all available too. Matthew 27 Verses 1 to 10. Judas hangs himself. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury, since it's blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why why it's been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the thirty pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. The fifth and sixth denials. The betrayer is betrayed and denies himself. 
realizing that his plan has not worked. Judas returns to the temple confessing that I have betrayed innocent blood. But he is denied the help the priests should have offered to a repentant sinner. So Judas goes out and hangs himself. Despite all of his experience of Jesus' forgiveness and compassion, Jesus forgiving the lame man lowered through the roof, Jesus' compassion for the woman caught in adultery, Jesus teaching him and us to pray, forgive us our sins, Judas denies himself a way back. Might we ever be those who somehow deny others appropriate help to come back to God's forgiveness? Have we ever felt ourselves to be beyond the pale with no way back to God? If we have, if we do, be assured that there is one. The prodigal son found it. Matthew 27, verses 11 to 26, Jesus before Pilate. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him! Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The seventh denial 
Pilate denies Jesus' justice. Despite being unconvinced by the charges brought against him, why, what crime has he committed, he asks. And being warned by his wife to have nothing to do with that innocent man. Nevertheless, Pilate hands Jesus over to the soldiers to be crucified. So, denying Jesus the justice it was his duty to administer and denying his own part in that farcical trial. What injustices are we aware of? Are we part of any of them? Can we, do we, just wash our hands and pretend it's nothing to do with me? Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 to 44. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers round him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him, and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross, if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him, He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of the Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, 
the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insult on him. The eighth denial. The chief priests and teachers of the Lord deny who Jesus really is. The trials and execution were never about what Jesus had done, but about who Jesus was. They complain about the sign stating that he is king of the Jews. They ridicule him about destroying the temple, even as they destroy it, his body. They abuse him for saving others, even as he makes it possible to save the whole world. They challenge his trust in God when his whole life has been not my will, but yours, Father. Have we recognized Jesus as the exact image of the invisible God? Do we respond to him accordingly? Matthew 27 from verse 45, the death of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, They were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. After so many denials... The first affirmation, the centurion. Seeing everything that has occurred, perhaps having been present from the start of the trial, through the abuse and the crucifixion, right up to the moment Jesus died, the centurion in charge now has his own Damascus Road or Golgotha Hill experience. Surely, he says, This was the Son of God. 
We have no indication what, if anything, he did with that insight afterwards. Was he a broken man for killing God? Or was he found among the church at Pentecost and go on to faithfully follow the man he had crucified? I think we'll find out one day. But for now, the question once again is not what Jesus has done, but who he really is. And this battle-hardened soldier gets it right, affirming Jesus' identity. What perhaps unexpected insights about Jesus have we had? Do we still faithfully affirm them? and continue to live in the light of them today. Matthew 27, verses 57 to 66. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there, opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests of the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, That deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. Then the last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and setting the guard. The second affirmation and a final denial. Joseph right, leaders wrong. Joseph is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and given to somewhat more courage than some of the others. But Jesus is dead. And perhaps Joseph has no great expectation that anything will change in that situation. Yet he still holds Jesus in high enough esteem to save him from being thrown into the common grave and instead gives his own tomb for a respectful burial. The women join in in affirming Jesus in this way. The religious leaders, however, deny him once more. They claim that he, Jesus, said, after three days I will rise again. But they think they know better. And they're determined to prove that it's never going to happen by sealing the tomb and posting a guard. Hey, leaders... Let's just wait and see, shall we? 
take this final moment this afternoon for us to be thankful for the price that has been paid for us. To affirm again our commitment to following Jesus. And then begin just a little bit to let our excitement grow because Sunday is coming. Let us pray. Let us pray for those who do not believe the gospel of Christ, for those who have not heard this message of salvation, for all who have lost faith, for the contemptuous and scornful, for those who are enemies of Christ and persecute those who follow him, for all who deny the faith of Christ crucified, that God will open their hearts to the truth and lead them to faith and obedience. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Merciful God, creator of all the people of the earth, have compassion on all who do not know you and and by the preaching of your gospel with grace and power gather them into the one fold of the one shepherd, Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray for all those who suffer, for those who are deprived and oppressed, for all who are sick, for those in darkness, in doubt and in despair, in loneliness and in fear, for prisoners, captives and refugees, for the victims of false accusations and violence, for all at the point of death and those who watch beside them, that God in his mercy will sustain them with the knowledge of his love. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Almighty and everlasting God, the comfort of the sad, the strength of those who suffer, hear the prayers of your children who cry out of any trouble, and to every distressed soul grant mercy, relief and refreshment, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory yours, now and forever. Amen. 
Today we leave Jesus on the cross, breathing his last. Yet Isaiah hints of something bigger, something better. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Today is Friday, but Sunday is coming. But today let us wait 